I love that question. <laughs> you're 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 I on am. the brink of death. Yep. And suddenly a Saint Bernard shows up with a Noblestein beer. Welcome to another episode of the Brent Bill and Beer Podcast, a podcast for the folks out there who love gnomes and beer. I'm Brent. And I'm Bill. And today we have a special guest. We are at Noblestein Brewing Company, and we are here with... Zach Morrow. There we go. Owner and head, Owner and head brewer. Or something. Something like that. <laughs> the fancy so, title. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is our first time actually to stopping at a brewery, and we're here just to learn more about Zach and uh, your setup here. Love it. I spent, uh, I think it was 16 or 17 hours getting the acoustics just right for you guys. So, uh-huh. you know, really was uh, was thinking of you in advance. Uh-huh. So that's why those sound panels are all <laughs> It finally comes out. That's the reason. That's the reason. Yeah. So I think I, I think to start off, how do you know Bill? That's yeah. maybe the, the way to, to start this off. Well, I met Bill, gosh, it probably was like 20, was it 2017 or 2018? 2018. 2018. Okay. So that would have been when you were up here at IEP. And mm-hmm. I met him. He was coming in as a customer. You know, he would come in on Saturday afternoons mm-hmm. sometimes. And that was a period where when I was bartending, it was not particularly busy. So had many a good chat with Bill uh, at the bar. We started realizing, hey, you know, he's got some serious beer experience. We would uh, end up sharing things. I can't remember the first beers that you brought me specifically. But I remember when you brought me like a four pack of beer. I was like, "Wow, that was so nice!" <laughs> and I like, I wanted to give you a big hug, but I don't know that. Uh, I, I think I probably did eventually. You, you've given me a lot of big hugs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we we met then, talked over many many beers here at the brewery, and uh, eventually, I think that uh, would have been the following year, right, in, in, into 2019. Um, it came up that we needed some additional folks. Bill was legitimately the first person that I thought of. He was mm-hmm. like, I wonder if he would want to. So, yeah. Yeah, I, just, I just remember that text message because like we, we never really texted. We had each other's phone numbers, right? But like it was like in like August or something like that and I just get, hey, how you doing? This is odd. Zach, <laughs> Zach doesn't ever actually just text me. <laughs> doing pretty well. What's going on? And then that's how it all came out there. Yep. Yeah, so uh, it was it was a blast. I think that the, the the time that we all spent the most time together was definitely during the initial phases of COVID shutdown. Mm-hmm. So you know we turned our attention to canning beer, and uh, you know everybody here really came together nice. It was it was wonderful camaraderie. It was like a our own support group for getting through that um, because you know we were all being careful with things and, and spending time with one another. It was. It was super encouraging uh, in a tough time, frankly. We canned a lot of beer. Yes, we did. Yeah, one at a time at that point, yeah. too. <laughs> we threw the football a lot, too. We did. We drank some Natterdays. <laughs> we threw the football. I feel like we smoked a few cigars. You yeah. Know. He was telling me about that. Yeah. And conveniently, a cigar shop just just next door, right? How about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. It's like a match made in heaven. And and it's gone so far that he didn't. he wasn't just a new employee that you had gotten in that kind of thing he's also a grooms you're a groomsman in his upcoming wedding right? that's accurate i'm super pumped it's yeah. gonna be fun 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. I heard about karaoke, so, Ooh, you know, yeah. that's going to be a lot. I did not know about Yeah, there's karaoke at the reception. <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs> it's, it's not a secret. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess, first off, you gave us some beers to yep. try from Nobelstein, so what, what all are we drinking? Right. So you have the Gone for Five Years. That was our triple IPA release. Uh, celebrating our five-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So that's a big West Coast 10 percenter. Uh, it's a heavy hitter with a bunch of sea hops. It's our favorite West Coast ones, Centennial and Columbus, to name a couple. Um, I think that beer is uh, surprisingly not boozy for being 10%. It's it's reasonably approachable. That's my take. I I agree with you. Even even before you mentioned it, nice. I had that same thought because like you told me that it was a triple IPA. And I just, I didn't pick up on it. Like, I could definitely accidentally mm-hmm. drink a bunch of these, I think, <laughs> and be in a lot of trouble. Mm. Uh, what's what's uh, Bill drinking? Bill has our third rendition of our cut and pastry series. So this one is mint chocolate. I think that the tasting notes would probably say Thin Mint Cookies. It's got a really nice mint flavor to it that uh, I was, I'm always skeptical with mint in general. Mm-hmm. I've never been uh, a huge mint flavor person. But uh, I think that going with, like, that dark chocolate from the coconut, I mean... It's definitely not overwhelming. Like, that's what I was nervous about going in. God, man, Yeah, but exactly. It works really well. Thanks, man. Yeah, no 9% or so. It's a, it's a heavy hitter as well. But, uh, you know, nice and tasty. And then, last but not least, I've got La Brea. That's our black lager, Shores beer. So, uh, we traditional malt bill, lots of German uh, tendencies in that malt bill. Just over 5%, so approachable session and uh, one of my personal favorites i was about to say he he mentioned it on the drive up here uh-huh. which by the way we are in indiana pennsylvania i think it's important to note where noble stein is it's true folks will stop by uh but yeah he mentioned uh yeah black lager so i i'm looking forward to getting to try that at some point I think. awesome yeah um, yeah so i guess really the point here is to know more about noble stein because although i i've had a couple beers i think i'm probably like most people that listen to us, which is maybe haven't actually tried a bunch of your beers. Sure. And I'm, you know, at least what I've had so far, I've really enjoyed it. You're a really cool guy. So, so far. And this is a very neat place. Unfortunately, we can't convey that yeah. uh, effectively through this, but maybe we'll post some pictures of the spot along with it when we uh, finally upload it so people can see. But I have a couple questions, some serious ones, some not serious, mm-hmm. but I think we'll we'll have a good time and maybe learn more so I think the first thing that I'm curious about is just uh, where did where did the name Noblestein come from? Yeah, that's a great question. So whenever the folks that I opened this place with and I were, you know, kind of coming up with the initial ideas, we had been operating under another name as home brewers, and uh, that name happened to be taken by a real brewery at the time by a commercial brewery. So at one point in our journey, we had to sit down and actually try to come up with a name. Which and I hear you're very good at. <laughs> I, that, that came up on the drive too. <laughs> I like the jabs already. I, I, I'm good for three names, and then after that, no, maybe three a year, and they're not even that good. But uh, the um, the naming process for the brewery, we uh, had a discussion at one one of our homebrew days, and we really didn't settle on anything. So that discussion, right, wrong, or indifferent, was continued in a group text message. Now I will tell anybody if they're trying to come up with a name for a business, don't do it. In a group text message. 100%. There were probably, if, if you had a list of the worst brewery names, I feel like we hit probably the top 10 in terms of generating those names. So um, those will all remain locked away in a vault. I won't share any of them. But uh, <laughs> not, getting, not getting the exclusive. <laughs> 
That's, uh, yeah, the, I don't know. That's like confidential, right? Gotcha. That's, that's top secret stuff. Um, but the next brew session, we were, you know, realizing we need to come up with something serious. I think what we were doing was getting ready to do an event. And so um, after a couple of beers and a couple of bourbons, George Thurgood was not there. I guess that would be scotch, wouldn't it? But anyway. One scotch, one bourbon, one beer? Yeah. Yep. If we didn't have scotch and we didn't have George Thurgood. Right. You didn't go the distance. We did. You, you we were, got partway. We were close. Yeah. We, uh, we settled. We were kind of coming up with the values that mattered to us. Like, what do we want to actually convey? So we wanted to convey that we are making products that have integrity that we're proud of, that we believe in. So we came up with the name Noble. It also is obviously a helpful factor that that's a, a family of, of German hops, of European hops. Mm-hmm. So the tie-in was, was kind of already there. We also wanted to pay homage to brew culture and brew, brewing history because there's so much. It's so rich when you look at the impact of beer on European culture. So uh, we came up with Stein, German beer Stein, and uh, together it became you know our way of saying we make stuff that we're really proud of, that we're excited about, that recognizes the past, but also gives us a platform to innovate and try new things. Yeah, because Bill was saying that you folks tend to embrace the uh, traditional styles probably more so than a lot of other folks do currently. I would say that's accurate. I, you know, part of it might be personal preference, yeah. <laughs> but uh, to be fair, I, you know, I, I really think that, uh, that the classic styles are really uh, starting to make a comeback. It's the year of the lager, right? So yeah. we're, yeah. we're, we're, uh, we're tomorrow, the episode that comes out tomorrow, uh, relative to this recording. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's, I, we end up talking about that. Yeah. Okay. That we, we're, there's this cycle that I've identified as coming because we're, uh, we ended up talking about uh, alcoholic Mountain Dew. And I talked that's, about that's a thing. It is in three states now. Um, so that's, yeah, they the episode. Yeah. Like black chairs. And, and how I was talking about it because the way that I look at the kind of evolution was it went, you know, kind of traditional craft beers, that kind of thing. Then it went to uh, sours, which are still you know, a long time traditional craft style in, in different parts of the world, it was branded and I'm guilty of it as well. To anybody that said, I don't like beer, I would give them a sour, mm-hmm. right? And then it ended up being like the easy craft beer to drink. And then suddenly seltzers became the big thing. And then I joked that the obvious next evolution was alcoholic Mountain Dew from there. <laughs> so then I asked him, where are we going next? And he uh-huh. said, I think there's a reset that happens where suddenly we're like, okay, we've gone too far. And then, yeah, like we, like we were saying, it's back to crispy boys. It's like a wave of residual carbohydrates or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. And it's been fascinating to be in the industry to see all of that. It's, it's just, it's wild to me um, to think about how breweries have innovated with, with different flavors and with different, you know, we'll say unorthodox materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I guess I'm including fruit puree in that, but at the same time, I think that some of the, the different smoothie sours and smoothie seltzers and all of those different takes, it's really, it's really interesting and unique. Even if folks are not huge fans of them, I think that it says something that small manufacturers are able to uh, push the envelope. Yeah. I've, I, I've been a fan of uh, the Bale for a long time. And even the answer right next door where they have their smoogies and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I could be a big fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, next one. You mentioned homebrewing. So, that was a, a nice setup for the, the next question, which was something that I'm interested in. Is like, there's lots of people who do homebrewing, mm-hmm. right? I have a buddy of mine. He's made about five, six beers, that kind of thing, but has, like, no aspirations to open a brewery. 
you know. So I'm wondering at what point while you're homebrewing with with your friends, that kind of thing, do you have that moment where it just goes like, what if we did this professional? Like, do you remember the moment where, and maybe it was a, a series of moments where you said, no, guys, I think we're actually good enough to open up Noble Stein Brewing, that kind of thing. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, that's, I would say that you were accurate when you said a series of moments. Yes. I think there were, for me personally, there were kind of some, some I don't know, invented benchmarks, some 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 barometer uh, points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, okay, it's like, oh, we, we did this today, and this means that. So the big one that comes to mind firsthand is basically having people that weren't our friends and family try our beer mm-hmm. and like it uh, or be enthusiastic about it even. That was pretty special experience. So one of the one of the big moments for us, and we had already decided to take it commercial at this point, but one of the moments of affirmation we'll say was at an event we did a good while before we were open down in Pittsburgh. It was a the Pittsburgh Rugby Club beer and um, got set up with it through a coworker at the time. And we took two beers. We took a an IPA that we never brewed commercially that was called Grist Grouse. And then we took uh, our Saison, which is being re-released here soon, uh, renamed slightly. The original was called Hop Hired Hand. It's going to be re-released as Hired Hand. And we took that beer down to this event, um, and it happened to take first place overall. There were BJCP judges that I had no idea. It was actually quite funny. During the middle of the event, someone approached and said to me, hey, Zach, you guys just won. It was like, at this point, I was starving. And I'm like, I hope we won like a few pizzas or some meal, <laughs> some sort of other beers. I don't know. And they're like, no, no, you won the you won best overall. And so that was shocking and uh, definitely was, you know, a good vote of confidence for us mm-hmm. going into more serious, like, commercial steps. So uh, I think it's I think it's a process. I really do. And uh, I think it's probably different for everybody because there are certain things that they envision that, you know, um, would lead them down the pathway of, of commercial brewing. It was definitely it was definitely a couple of different things. Yeah, because I, I even imagine... E- you know, moments where it's, I think we should do this, and then immediately backing off mm-hmm. and be like, that's a terrible, never mind. And like, even going back and forth in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I mentioned when I showed up here, I'm a chemical engineer. So I love talking about just any type of process where we take some raw material and make a value added product. I want to know, you can either take it at that level or more superficially, but uh, what is something that you would say is special about Noble Stein's brewing process compared to, and like, obviously there might be another brewery somewhere in the world that does the same thing, but like something that you do maybe less often than, than other folk. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, I, I like that. I like that as a concept. It's definitely, uh, it shows your background as an engineer for sure. And I love that. I love that. It's, it's something I've discussed with our current brewer pretty extensively. What I'm going to say is something I've discussed often. Um, whenever I took over the brewing operations, it's very evident right away. I, so I was not, I was obviously not a professional brewer before coming right. into it as a home brewer. So when I learned to use our system, it became evident to me from just some other job background experience that everything is so process driven and you have to be precise whenever you are executing this process. So I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying it's something that's earth shattering, but whenever, whenever Garrett, our brewer came on board and we started to work together, it was very evident that he was gifted in following a process that was given to him. And he learned by doing and then caught some of the other, the science stuff after learning the process itself, which was a really cool way of learning. 
I was kind of the other way around. So when it comes down to it for me, we're emphatic about our process and process consistency. Uh, and I think with brewing beer, especially brewing the same beer over the course of a given year, that is uh, extremely important. Yeah. Now, like I said, I, this is nothing earth shattering. Every other brewery is probably doing or making an effort to do that same thing. But, you know, executing a process consistently and gathering relevant data to do that is uh, is, is what I think is something we do very well. Well, I really appreciate that answer. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why is because whether you like them or not, that is why Anheuser-Busch has, makes so much money mm-hmm. and makes so much because they can make that volume of beer around the world and it tastes exactly the same. Ever. Like, at, at least when I've talked to people, like, why is it, why is Anheuser-Busch successful, blah, blah, blah. It never has to do with just the taste. Mm-hmm. It's just, they are the most consistent mm-hmm. brewery. I'm not equating you folks to Anheuser-Busch, sure. but I'm saying that <laughs> it's something that people don't appreciate when you can go and, like you're saying, if you have uh, therapy chicken, that's one of your beers, yes. You know, if if you brew therapy chicken, you know, a batch like two years from now, it will taste the same as like a customer had at a previous time that they came in. Because I'll tell you, this might this might be a hot take. People may not like it, but this has nothing to do with you. It's <laughs> <laughs> that is the reason I do not like Guinness. Oh, okay. uh, like I do enjoy Guinness, but when I was in Ireland, every place that I went to, Guinness tasted different. Really? Yes, and and it was every and and the Irish kind of accepted that. And they were, they totally believed it. And they're like, oh yeah, it has to, you know, you need to make sure you go to a pub where like lots of people are pouring Guinness. Like everybody's ordering Guinness. And, the, and they were like, then the next thing was it has to do with the proximity to Dublin. And then mm-hmm. the next thing was, and there was like a list of 50 things that had to happen to make sure that the Guinness actually tasted mm-hmm. the best that it could. And I had it taste the best that it's ever tasted and the worst. And I always said the reason Smittix was the best Irish beer I had was because it tasted the same at every place I went to. So I know that was a bit drawn out, but I I really appreciate your answer, especially as a, a chemical engineer, because quality control is paramount sure. uh, to, to your success. I like that. That was really good. All right. Okay. So my my next three questions, I will admit, are less serious, but I, I think they're fun. <laughs> so we'll we'll go for it. So the, the next one, I think it's fair to assume that anybody that's ever brewed beer has messed up <laughs> at some point. Possibly gloriously. So, my question for you is, have you ever had a beer idea that you thought was a great idea at the time and ended in disaster? Yes. Uh, I've, that's happened a, a, several times. I assume so. Yeah. <laughs> the big one that I, that I think about first is something from home brewing days. So, this was probably my second or third batch of beer that I ever brewed. And I was going this one alone. It was when I first... Uh, moved away from Indiana from uh, after college. So I had a relatively small apartment with electric coil burners, and uh, I was trying to do the extract boil on that stove. And the, the boil pot was so large that I had to set it over two burners and over kind of the space between yep. them. So not only did I almost catch my stove on fire by doing that, but when the beer actually was finished fermenting, I decided when I was going to bottle it that in addition to my priming sugar to get the carbonation in the bottles. It was a it was a wheat beer. I thought, why don't I throw some honey in? A honey wheat beer would be a lot of fun. The critical error was that I was putting additional fermentable stuff, mm-hmm. the honey, in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it was probably two and a half to three weeks later, the bottles were resting kindly in my uh, walk-in 
my small walk-in closet in my bedroom. <laughs> and uh, in the middle of the night, I was on the ground floor. This is critical. I hear glass breaking. Uh-huh. So I jump out of bed thinking someone's breaking into my apartment. But instead... What had happened was bottles had exploded all over my clothes. Mm -hmm. So I felt better that, you know, obviously I didn't have an intruder, but I had a few loads of laundry to do the next day and an undrinkable beer. So that was, uh, (laughs) so you didn't try it? I tried it and it was like, it was like the most intense carbonation you'd ever experience in your life. Right. It was not good. I was about to say, you dump that honey in, and like any yeast in there that might be left is like, oh my god! Oh, it was so. This thankful. is amazing. <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving for them. <laughs> I love yeah. that. No, all right. My any others? Because uh, I feel like those are pretty fun stories. Just yeah, even, that that like, one's definitely the most entertaining. The other ones yeah. are just more like sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. This might be a very interesting question, this next one. So this came out of the episode that we're, we're going to release tomorrow. I want to know what came first, the gnome or the term crispy boy? The gnome. The gnome did. Really? The gnome was... Like the gnome with the name? Oh, you're That's saying... That's what I'm curious You mean the gnome on our bar top. Crispy boy. That's crispy boy indeed. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, a, what, mm. what came... Did... Because I, cause it, was it sounds the like you... The term came first. The term okay. did come first. Okay. Yeah. I... I, I, I Will not claim ownership of that. I thought you meant the gnome and our logo at first, yeah. because our logo we started before Crispy Boy came right. around. But yeah, I uh, I don't even remember. Bill, do you remember who coined that term here? Was it Garrett or was it? <laughs> it was Dave. It was Dave. It was, it was Dave. Okay, Dave. that was Dave. Yeah, Dave is a, a, a beloved former employee. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I was because he mentioned that the the gnome's name mm. is Crispy Boy. Yes, and I was texting I was, you while we were recording, asking about Regis's name. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like that's literally we were recording. Yeah, and I guess I was just curious because that's such a like I guess current name just because like uh, like you mentioned earlier that it's the year of the lager and that they're making a comeback that kind of stuff. So I was just curious did did you folks actually start the trend? <laughs> before beforehand, but the answer is uh, no. As I wish a hipster's Dave is. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe starting the movement with brewing the beer before go. everybody else, <laughs> but just not the term. That beer is currently lagering right now. Actually, yeah, I saw that. It's coming up. Yep, very soon. It's on, right on the other side of this wall in our in our lagering. Tank. I just noticed. I I really appreciate that you just have a sign that says "What's on deck." Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, one of the one of our. Uh, folks that came on board last year made that suggestion. I was like, I love that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I think it's a great addition to a tap room too. Just something to look forward to. Look to. Forward it to. gets people excited. Like if they have a beer that they oh. have loved and they see it coming back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good feeling. Okay. So my last question before our second segment is, are there more wheels or doors? This is currently the hot controversial debate on the internet. Are there more wheels or doors in the world? Okay, I'm gonna have to think about this one. I'm gonna take this seriously. I'm gonna take this seriously. Okay, so seven plus billion people. Yep. A lot of folks. I can't remember the figure of cars on the road, but I do think that it's north of one billion. So that's the contribution of plenty of wheels, also some doors, but also some doors. So that's generally you're gonna have at least. I would say on average you're gonna have like what three and a half doors on a vehicle because mm-hmm. there aren't so many two door cars. Um, I'd say it has to be doors because of houses. But think, even even drawers that you have have wheels. That's so we de- are we defining wheel as the simple machine? And yeah, or, the simple okay, machine. Okay. 
Okay. That's a tough one. I mean, they're in doors and houses. Some people argue cabinet doors. Yeah. It's a tough question. That's really thought provoking. I. (laughs) (laughs) We ask the tough questions here on this podcast. (laughs) The questions that people want to know about Noble Stein. (laughs) Well, doors are not simple machines. How would that be defined? That's where it, that's where the it, hardest part about this. So kind of defining so the door, the wheel is defined. We have a defined variable mm-hmm. in the sense of a wheel is defined as a simple machine, but a door could be interpreted as many different things. Because mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, like the doors to the front here, right? Are very different from cabinet doors or car mm-hmm. doors. Full disclosure: I'm team wheels. I think there's yeah. like orders of magnitude more wheels, but yeah, I was about to say I would go with wheels just because of I'm thinking about like a large manufacturing facility. Sure, there are doors, but any type of conveyor belt. conveyor belt or element to the machinery would absolutely involve the simple machine wheel. I saw somebody post a picture, like arguing back that it was that it was wheels, uh-huh. and they sent a picture of yeah, because you have those surfaces where it's literally just tens of thousands of wheels right. that you just push a box, yeah, and it just rolls across it, uh, yeah. to get there. So yeah. I gotta go. I'm team wheels. I'm team, I'm team wheels. wheels. Yeah. 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 So hopefully that doesn't cause too much controversy, but oh, it's no. just that has been the trend recently that people are, you know, it, it was like the, the blue and black dress versus the oh, white yeah. and gold. This is the current one is, is it wheels or doors? I feel like five years from now, it's going to come out that I was team wheels and, uh, you know, Noble Stein will get there, it will just be, falls like, there will be an uprising. Yeah. Against yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll have like everyone's petitioning this place out front. <laughs> What about this door? Yeah, I. If it makes you feel better, Hank Green, the like internet science guy nowadays, uh, is Team Wheels. He and his brother John Green. I don't know. I think it's Wheels. But anywho, I thought it'd be a fun question to ask before we move into our second segment. I think for any brewery, I would like to know what the best beer that brewery makes. But what I think is very boring is. I remember there used to be an app called Pintly before Untap, or maybe at the same time, what before Untap really like established itself. And they used to you couldn't just rate a beer zero out of five. It was you had to rate its taste, its appearance, its uh, uh, mouth feel, all that kind of stuff. I think these are boring. I think that there are much more interesting categories to rate beers on. So I'm going to ask you in each of these categories what Noblestein beer is the best in each one and why. And then we'll see if there's a a consistent trend to, you know, at least when it comes to the Triple B podcast, what the best Noblestein beer is. Okay. I like where this is going. Yeah. Okay. So we already talked about it. Maybe you can give context of why you're not the best person to ask this question to. Okay. Um, But what what Noblestein beer has the best beer name? (laughs) The reason I'm not the best person on this particular inquiry is, is because I tend to skew towards the obvious. For instance, we had a sour brewed, uh, I think it was back in 2020, that uh, that we called, per my naming, now, let, me, let me back up, this sour had cinnamon, cherry, vanilla, and so we called it Cherry Cobbler because it was meant to taste like Cherry Cobbler. Mm-hmm. And everybody gave me hell for this because it was too obvious. <laughs> so, everybody on the staff, for what it's worth. Uh-huh. That was also just partially because it's him. Right. Let's be clear about that, too. That's <laughs> true. And that's fine. That's fine. So I think that uh, the beer with the best name for me is tied between an answer that I would really give the, the best name award to and the one that 
makes me laugh the most. Okay, so the, I like that. The best name in terms of the one I like the most, actually, is Daddy Needs His Pill. That's our <laughs> check, check style poster. Uh, and then the, the other name that will always have a special place in my heart is the name of the sour that we came out with, where it was, I think, shortly after Cherry Cobbler and, and everybody really wanted to demonstrate their thoughts on my naming abilities. So the beer is called Orange Glad Zach Didn't Name This Beer. <laughs> it was an orange marshmallow sour. <laughs> People loved it. <laughs> it's it's funny that you, you mentioned, like, oh, it's too obvious and that kind of thing. I've... I probably won't open a brewery, but I've always said, like, if I opened a brewery, what would my naming convention be? And I'm much worse. For me, it would be IPA number one, (laughs) IPA number two, stout number one, and just you would have to just know where it's just like, oh, I'm a big fan of number three or whatever. And, like, I always – that's how I would do it, but I'm also just a very boring engineer, and that's how I would do it. This is why people like us have – marketing folks i think yes yes exactly i just i just make products and other people sell them that's that's at least for my own world yeah so you're saying that the best name was daddy needs so what's what's the story behind that i feel like you can't just you can't just name drop that and not tell us this is another uh shout out to to dave that had worked Mm -hmm. here um and we had joked for for a while just about doing a pilsner uh and i you know, an easy drinking lager for summertime. That was kind of the thinking process for us. But like another lawnmower beer in addition to Bridge Kolsch that we have. And I think it was just some random day that Dave was kind of checking in about this beer. He's like, hey, what about the Pilsner? He was like, yeah, I don't know. Kind of hunting. I didn't know when we were going to brew it. He's like, daddy needs his pills. And we were like, <laughs> I think my eyebrows have never been higher. And so at that point, that was like, this is, it clicked. Nice. It clicked, so. I like that. Yeah. The can art, by the way, is like a medicine bottle, like a yeah. pill bottle, mm-hmm. which oh. makes it even better. Very cool. Yeah. So one point to both of those beers. Okay, so far. Number two, which Noblestein, which this is overlaps a little bit, but which Noblestein beer has the best origin story? I guess you could take that either when it comes to like the naming of it or, but we sort of already did that. So maybe the how the idea of the beer came and, and got to a final product. That's a really good question. I, you know, part of me, I'm, I'm stuck between two off the top of my head. I want to also hear Bill's feedback on this question. Yeah, sure. Because I think he knows our portfolio. I, I think it would actually be good even if you both just participated. At least then yeah. we have some variability and I love like, uh, more data points. Sure. The first beer that comes to mind for me is Hold the Phone. So that beer was, uh, it was a collaboration beer between uh, an event that occurred in Pittsburgh and uh, a coffee shop that's originated here in Indiana that now does their roasting in Pittsburgh. Um, so we were, you know, we were struggling to come up with a name for that, but we knew we wanted to do a cappuccino stack. So at that point, we kind of put a hive mind approach type of thing. And, and our collaborator down in Pittsburgh, he, uh, his, I think it was his girlfriend actually that came up with that. And uh, it was, it was a fantastic fit. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's what I would it's say. It's a really good beer too. Thanks, man. So what's your favorite origin story? Then? Honestly, I feel like I have to go therapy chicken. <laughs> I just, sure. But uh, we were just canning. And uh, discussing a chicken that was often on IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania's campus, <laughs> that uh, he had his little vest. He was a therapy chicken. And uh, what was the, it was for safe sex or abstinence, It was, it right? was for safe sex. What was, was the comment? There was, a, there was a sign beside this chicken, and it said, don't be a chicken, get tested. 
<laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was right in the midst of 2020 and we were making a new hazy and we were struggling to come up with a name. Every name seems to have the word bog, haze, something about hops in it. Sure. We just want, we even have jubilant haze, but we mm-hmm. wanted to come up with something different. And, uh, I think I was talking about that. That, that story somehow came up just yeah. with the random conversations. Yeah. It's just, it's hilarious. Yeah. And then the farm where the chicken came from loves it. Yeah. Like he loves that there's this beer named after mm-hmm. the therapy chicken. And this chicken, we want to host him in the tap room. So the chicken's name is Cornflake. And, uh, after the, you know, mm-hmm. cereal bonds. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so we, we gotcha. want to do that for, for one of our upcoming releases. Cornflake will be in the tap room. Oh, that's that's very fun. I need to know what day that is. <laughs> that what, I feel like I have to meet this chicken now. This is the second episode that's talked about it, so I need to see this chicken. No, it's real. All right. Next one. I think this is really interesting. Once again, it's because I have an interest in, in this type of thing. What is your favorite beer to brew and why? The actual process of brewing. Yeah, that's a good one. I would, I would also be remiss to say that Garrett has been brewing the beers for a while mm-hmm. now, and so... I'm, I'm going to guess that his is probably the same as mine, Okay. simply because uh, it's a low-weight grain bill, so it makes for easier cleanup, but it would it would be probably Bridge, our Kolsch. Um, the, the grain bill is traditional and straightforward. It's not heavy to clean up, and uh, it's one of the beers here that I think that when we're brewing it, it's hard to dismiss the fact that that's one of the consistent results that we're most proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a harder to execute beer because it's so clean. It's, and so that would be, that would be my answer. And, and what is bridge? It's a, it's a, our Kolsch. So we've had that around um, since gosh, probably 2017 or so. Um, whenever we first opened, we didn't have just a more straightforward, I'm going to say my favorite tasting note ever straightforward beer flavored beer. You know, beer a lighter beer, beer flavored beer, a lighter option. You know, and um, we started discussing kind of what would be what would be good fits there. And Kolsch came up as a good style because um, you know the temperature control around Kolsch versus Lager. You don't need quite as much. A cooler fermentation is is good, but it's not necessity. So you know, we toyed with that and have had good success with. It. Yeah, uh, Morgantown Brewing Company actually does a, a Kolsch where they they do a ton of sours. Like that, that's definitely what they. They've been doing a lot more recently, but their Kolsch, I drink it all the time. For me, that's become one of my favorite styles that are out there. It's just, if you just want to grab a beer after work or something like that, I've really appreciated just, yeah, drink a few few of those. I agree. What So if you were posed that question, I know that you weren't on the brewing side here, but how would you construct that answer? I'm curious. But... Oh, man. Like favorite to actually brew? Yeah, what would... We'll say, like, favorite to, if you had been on the production yeah. side, yeah, what would you be the most, I guess, proud of? Well, I mean, the ones that I wouldn't like are kind of based off of what you said were mm-hmm. the ones that would make a giant mess. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of, like, your <laughs> right. heavily fruited things that, like, you're, you're scrubbing kind of a thing, actually having to get all that stuff out, mm-hmm. smells, messy, all that would probably be least. So, probably, I mean, something clean. I mean, I think that something like, I mean, this... Still has a little bit more mess in the bridge, but like the hometown hero. Sure. I there think you would go. be something I would. Yep. That's very similar. Yeah. Yep. And that references uh, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We are the, the hometown of Jimmy Stewart. There so. you go. Indiana, PA. Indiana, PA. Christmas tree capital of the world. Yep. I guess that's the county. And then hometown of Jimmy Stewart. 
Oh, I didn't know the Christmas tree thing. How Interesting. I'm learning so many things about this area today. <laughs> okay. Also the home place of Noble Stein. Yes, home of Noble Stein. Most famously. <laughs> Most famously. <laughs> Not Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's a real curveball. Because, like, obviously at some point I have to just ask, just ask you what your favorite beer is. But, yeah. like, I need to have one more bullshit question uh, <laughs> category. So this is the one I came up with on our car ride up here, which is... The beer that you would want a St. Bernard to bring you if you were trapped in an avalanche. I love that question. <laughs> you're you're, you're on have... the brink of death, Yep. and suddenly a St. Bernard shows up with a Noble Stein beer. I, to I potentially have an answer be, immediately. Which could, so do I. Which, so, and, and I guess if we really wanted to get at it, it's either the beer that saves your life or the last beer you have before you die. Oh, man. Right. I was like, looking more on the, the lighter side. Yeah. <laughs> As it was could, I. Yeah, it could be... It could be Interpreted either way, so it's yeah. got to be the save. We'll say the one that saves you. Okay, the one that saves me. The first beer that came to mind, just off the top of my head, was and we brewed it. I think twice. It's our Bach called Salvatore. So it's a nice, hearty, uh, you know, dark amber lager, a little over seven percent. Just really nice and rich in traditional style. Like I, I love multi lagers, and that beer it just really hits all the notes for me. Mm-hmm. Do you have one? I, I honestly went hold the phone in my head. Sure. I was like, I'm like, yep. let's take a calorie count. Like, <laughs> like, like, you're you're actually a, thinking survival. <laughs> Coffee and bread, right? right. <laughs> That's funny. That's Fine. a good answer too. That that one crossed my mind for sure. Well, I guess I guess the reason I might lean more towards your answer, at least just mm-hmm. in the very little information that I have on this, right, without trying either of them, is that normally a St. Bernard brings brandy. Mm-hmm. And it's an illusion because when you drink liquor, you get the illusion of warmth, but it actually cools your body down more than if you drank water or something like that. So it's just supposed to raise your spirits enough so that you just, through placebo effect or something, survive i might not and, be dying kind of thing yeah like oh like i might be able to make it through this so yeah. for me i think a bach makes sense mm-hmm. because it's just like i don't know for me it would just be like because even if you said like the caloric intake of that blah 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 like i think my brain would perceive that a bach has more to it mm-hmm. and like is more filling and is going to help me survive and that kind of thing which would trick my brain into getting me across the finish line nice mm-hmm. nice Interesting. That's yeah, a, that's an awesome question. <laughs> like I said, that's I came. I don't know how I came up with it, but just I was sitting there, and that's what I came up with on the car ride up here. So, and then so lastly, then just straight up, if you're at Noble Stein, which we are, what beer do you want to drink? Wow, I see. This is a this is actually a difficult question for me to answer. Oh, hundred percent. Because I am. You're picking your favorite child. <laughs> that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. Like, 40 to 50 children out there. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those, it, it really depends on the season. It depends on my mood. So I will narrow it down to three, and then okay. maybe we can talk it out. I yeah, may, maybe you narrow it. Maybe if you narrow it to three, then Bill can pick yeah. which one out of those. Okay, Something sounds like good. Um, I think that my three would be Bridge Kolsch. It would be... Daddy needs his pills, Pilsner. And then the last one would be uh, Gone for the Day, which was our West Coast IPA. Recently, I've been on a Gone for the Day kick. Before that, it was Bridge, and we didn't have the Pilsner on right at that time. So a few months prior to that, it was it was so really yeah. I don't know. I'm I like I said I like I like classic styles. I was about to say y'all do like your crispy boys. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, out of those three, immediately I just went Bridge. Yeah. Like I mean, because it's the like I mean you you know it's always going to be here. It's always so 
crisp. It's always so clean. It's flavorful. Mm-hmm. Low ABV. Like, it's just a perfect, easy drinking beer. I think that's a good answer. I, I have always, in other uh, conversations that I've had, folks who ask, like, what's your favorite beer you've ever had? And I, I despise that question. I hate that question. Yeah. But I will yeah. say that one of the answers that I've given has been Reisdorf Kolsch. Um, I absolutely love that beer. It's, you know, it's the Kolsch, right? It's one of the Kolsch. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm good with that. I think Bridge. Bridge. There we go. So I'm trying to think. Bridge came out twice. Mm-hmm. And then the, is it How to Phone? What's the? Oh, hold the Phone. Hold the Phone. Mm-hmm. Those were the two. They both showed up twice. Mm-hmm. But I Those think the, two the most popular too. They definitely are. See, yep. my system works <laughs> my system works um but i think the maybe a better conclusion is that we had so many different noble stein beers that mm-hmm. popped up throughout it mm-hmm. that somebody they just need to come here and just drink all of them yeah i would support that yeah, yeah. i think obviously i think that's what we actually figured out is that you can't come to noble stein and just drink one beer you have to sample all of them <laughs> that's what i got i love that yeah, yeah that's man. we we've definitely i appreciate that too because one of the things that we've always tried to do is have a good variety for, of something for everybody. You know, I, I never want to be a place that out of our you know 13, 14 taps, we have 10 IPAs. That's just, I just, I would rather have more styles to offer personally. So love IPAs, but you know, I think variety is the spice of life. Off the recording. I remember you actually mentioning trying to figure out a way to balance them all out. And like, that's how you decide your tap list is making sure that you have a nice balance, of lots of different stuff. So I really appreciate that because you're right. There's, there's sometimes you make the effort to go to a brewery and then they just have basically one style available for you, um, which sometimes, you know, it works out like that's what you're in the mood for, but it is nice that you can hop around to different ones because obviously your mood can change. And that's why that last question of like, what's your go-to beer is such a hard one. Cause yeah. it's like, Oh, if it's cold outside, maybe I want a stout. Maybe mm-hmm. if it's, you know, if it's July, I want a natter days, you know, it's <laughs> sure. just any, any beer can be the best beer in the world given the right context. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Not going to lie to the Brea caught my attention. Like I was thinking about that. I was like, that would be one. I mean, that's just... right at the, that's top five mm-hmm. for me as well. Yeah. That's the, the black lager, mm-hmm. the black the lager, that, yes sir. Yeah, the one that I just had. It was it is super delicious. I mm-hmm. I highly recommend because the only other time I had a beer maybe in this realm was uh, Greenbrier Valley has a a black IPA mm-hmm. called Mothman Black IPA. But I really Virginia. yeah yeah. <laughs> but I don't. But the thing is, like, I did not like the IPA part of it. It just and. Because it just, I don't know, it was, I don't know, I just, I, I still like the beer a lot. But now that I've had this, this is way easier to drink, mm-hmm. I think, than that. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, thanks, man. That's, so, I like that style because it's it, it emphasizes the malt and the clean yeast contribution from a lager yeast. You know, and I, I like black IPAs, but most of them have uh, an earthy hop kind of bent, yes. which, which makes sense to me. Um, you know, we have roasty flavors with heavy hops, but it does tend to get um, really like, I don't know, I think that it overemphasizes that kind of earth flavor. And I, although I like it sometimes, I would tend to go with this that is reminiscent more of like the roastiness from a coffee or something. A hundred percent. Yeah. When, and yeah, I love that description of it because I guess in my mind, if I'm thinking coffee beers, that kind of thing, I'm probably leaning more towards ales or like I, I you would expect complex flavors need to come with complex beer like ale and, and whatnot. But I think you're right. This, this tasted way more like the coffee I drank this morning mm-hmm. uh, than like a black IPA has ever tasted. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, yeah, I love that description. 
So I think before we finish this episode, we should give you an opportunity to plug Noble Stein. <laughs> so like how can people interact with you folks? Um, yeah. Just what good things are going on coming up? Like anything you want to say? Yeah. We're Noble Stein Brewing Company, basically on all social media platforms. You know, check us out, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're excited. This is, you know, approaching our sixth anniversary here in October, November. And this year, we have a lot of really cool plans, hoping to move some distribution out towards the center part of Pennsylvania and uh, continue to expand our self-distribution radius. So people can find us uh, a lot of places in western Pennsylvania, on tap and in cans. Um, and like I said, we're pushing more towards that state college area as well. So keeping our uh, keeping our eyes on the prize and trying to keep growing the radius. And hopefully in Morgantown, West Virginia someday. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> I know who to call. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, I think that's our episode. Thank you so much for having us. This yeah. is this has been a lot of fun chatting about it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, it's no problem. Yeah. So uh, if if you want to listen to us, we're available on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Definitively on Apple Podcast. So <laughs> lots of ways to different to get in contact with us. We're also on Facebook uh, for that. So until next time, I'm Brent. I'm Bill. I'm Zach. And, uh, yeah, stop by Noble Stein if you can make it. Rock on.